When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Hey there, believers. I got a great episode for you today. Super excited about this one. This week, I'm bringing on Ryan Peterson, author of this fine book right here, Judgment of the Nephilim. Um, a fantastic book. I loved it. Um, at the time of this recording, Dr. Michael Heiser had just passed away yesterday. And I want to make sure, you know, I, I don't say anything against that work by any means uh i love what dr heiser has done and i would put this book is what i'm saying i put this book in the same camp you know in the same genre clearly as a lot of heiser's work but ryan has made managed to do this in uh even more of layman's terms you know it if heiser is a little over your head sometimes or is a little deep. Um, Ryan has things, a, a very similar message or themes throughout, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's the Bible, so it's not going to vary too much. You know what I mean? Um, but he lays it out in such a way that it, it's easy to grasp at, you know, uh, for, for me, <laughs> you know, it, it makes it easier for me to grasp it. Uh, I highly recommend this book, especially if you like things in the vein of Dr. Michael Heiser, The Unseen Realm, um, Gary Wayne, Genesis 6 Conspiracy. Um, This book is about 440 pages. I've got it absolutely wore out. You know, I've I've broke the spine down. I've written all through it. Um, It's going to be one of those books that the first time you read it, You'll find yourself highlighting, and then you'll go back to it. This is one of those books that you you will revisit. I cannot say enough good things about this book. Now, there's a, there's another book. Um, this is Judgment of the Nephilim. There's one called the, it's called the Final Nephilim. I haven't read that one yet, and I will. But um, Ryan's going to come on the show any minute. I just wanted to to get that out there. I want to talk about the book. Uh, a Holly. I can't say that enough. I highly recommend this book. Please go buy it. It's available on Amazon. Um, you'll love it. You won't regret it. If you, if you have questions about the supernatural worldview in the Bible, 
if you have questions about the divine council, um, if you have questions about where demons come from, uh, spiritual warfare, all these things, if you want it laid out to you in simple terms, this is it. This is a fantastic book. Uh, I recommend it highly. And no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Uh, I paid for my copy of my book. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just honestly, um, I don't want to go on too far about it, but I've recommended a handful of books. This is the top of the list. Okay. I do a lot of reading. All right. Let's do, let's do the, let's pay the bills. Okay. We, I'll, I'll have my commercial break later, but real quick, as far as the show goes, the bump phone please take advantage of the bump hotline shoot me text messages we can exchange some memes or whatever uh leave a voicemail for me if you want to get on the show if you want has something you just want me to share on the show and you don't want to come on you know to sit for a full session or whatever throw me a voicemail uh that number is 304-812-0553 if there are things that you want to mail to me Physically, if you have a book you want me to review, uh, if you have art you want me to display, uh, if if you just want to exchange some stickers, you know you know the drill. I've talked about this every week. Um, for any reason, if you need that the address to get something to me, it's the Bump Podcast at PO Box one four five three, Chapmanville, West Virginia. It's C H A P M A N V I L L E. West Virginia, 25508. All right, take advantage of that. I just picked up mail today. Um, the guy, the gentleman that hooked up the Discord app for us. So, yeah, don't forget the Bump Podcast is on Discord. It's fun. Tons of stuff going on there. Check that out. Um, Andrew, same guy. He actually mailed me... Uh, uh, it's a CD writer or whatever. That way I, I'm able to get this music, the bluegrass gospel at heart. Um, if you hear it on, on episodes and it's nice and clear and it sounds wonderful now, um, it's thanks to Andrew. I I made a comment that I, I didn't have something that would help the show. And this man does a lot to help me out. So he hooked it up. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, he, he sent it to the PO box and he shot me a voicemail on the phone. So just holler at me, however you want to, if you want to be on the show, then reach out to me. You can do it on the website, the or just email me at the at Gmail. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, now discord. Uh, there's an old Twitter somewhere, but I don't really use it. But let's go ahead and bring Ron on the show. He just stepped into the room. All right, here we go. All right, Ron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I just want to say on air that I absolutely love your book. I've read Judgment of the Nephilim. Huge fan. You made it the the impossibly mysterious works of God. Um easily digestible <laughs> you know and i just want to thank you for <laughs> yeah, that yeah. welcome to the show man 
Yeah, thank you, Bo, and praise the Lord. I appreciate the, uh, the the wonderful review, and you know, it's it's glory to God. It's glory to God, man. Honestly, that I was able to even write the book, and much less have it be received and even read by anyone out there. So, I'm very thankful for for that, and for you having me on the show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, like like I was saying, I I don't have the final Nephilim yet. But it's in the Amazon cart. It's it's happening. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I wanted to get you on the show. I do want to get into uh, some of the stuff in your book. But if you don't mind, um, I would love to hear like your testimony. You know what what led you to the Lord and uh, how how long you've been. You know. Yeah, absolutely. God. I'm uh, happy to happy to share it. Happy to share it. So you know, uh, I I was raised in a Christian home. You know, uh, my family, uh, both my parents are from Jamaica. Um, and shout out to all the Jamaicans out there. I got my little map of Kingston back here, a little cartographer's map of uh, Kingston, Jamaica. But yeah, so my so my my parents were both Christians. So I was raised in a Bible believing home by a Bible believing mother. So I, I always say that I was. To I always classify myself as an easy believer, you know, by God's grace, I loved to, to read a lot from a very young age. So I read lots of books. By the time I was 11, 12, I was reading a lot of books that people probably read in high school and college I was reading. And so um, with that, as I'm reading the Bible, there's, you know, you read Shakespeare or Jane Eyre, Charles Dixon, Dickens, you name it, right? Philosophers, the great philosophers, and, and none of that compared to the Bible to me. I, I just knew, I'm like, there's no way that a normal mortal man just sat here and just fabricated all this and just made it. I'm like, with the internal consistency throughout centuries, it just was easy for me to believe that this was a supernatural book written by men through the power of God's Holy Spirit, right? Divinely inspired. And so I was always... Um, a Bible believer. Now I was a questioner. I had lots of questions about the Bible. I had lots of things that weren't making sense to me, but I really was, um, you know, really uh, a, a believer. And that never really changed. Even when I went to college, um, I went to college, University of Rochester in upstate New York. I was still a believer that time. And what really brought me to a much stronger position in my faith was after I graduated uh, law school. So I went to law school in New York City, and it was just an interesting time in my life because, you know, I graduated school. I was 24 years old, living in New York City, bachelor, not a care in the world. And I had a great job at a Wall Street firm, and I was, you know, doing very well financially. I had no complaints, right? So from every material earthly standpoint, I had done it. I had reached the mountaintop, you know, everything I wanted to achieve, I had achieved really in life, all my goals. And so, um, but I was very spiritually empty. You know, I wasn't attending a church regularly. I wasn't serving a ministry and I really didn't feel any significant purpose in life. And I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, when I would go to work, is this what I'm going to be doing? Like, is this it? For the next 40 years, this is going to be my existence. And don't be wrong, I was enjoying, I was having a great time going out with my friends, doing all those things, but I didn't feel any significant purpose. And uh, what really brought me to where I am today um, 
was really ministries like yours, right? Is end times ministries that I stumbled upon because again, by God's grace, uh, you know, I was very into politics. I was a political science major. I went to law school. I was a debater. I was very into politics. I worked actually in the U.S. Senate when I was in law school. Oh, wow. Or summer, I was a legal fellow in the Senate. And so, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was in those back chairs on C-SPAN and everything, sitting behind the senators wow. in those Senate committee meetings. So, I, so yeah, I was, I was deep into it. And so my passion for politics was a blessing because the one thing I wasn't that knowledgeable about when it came to the Bible was prophecy. I studied the Bible as a kid. I went to church every Sunday. I knew lots of scriptures, but I, we, I was never into prophecy and didn't know much about prophecy outside of the obvious. You know, Jesus is coming back a second time. There's going to be Armageddon. One day there'll be an Antichrist. And it was end times ministries that I found online that were demonstrating how political events are converging with prophecy that really woke me up as an adult and really just honestly shook me to my core. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, I, I said, you know, I, I prayed into God, you know, I, I have to get back in church and really get serious about serving you again. And, you know, um, you know, it's like God says, you know, in Revelation, you know, remember your first love. And that's really what it, God did. And from that point, I just um, like I'm sure you did at one point and many people who are listening and watching your program, you start going on the rabbit holes, right? You're watching oh, yeah. YouTubes all night. You're listening to podcasts all night. You're reading about the new world order, one world government, one world currency, mark of the beast, all these different things. And I started, um, and I, then I went to a church. I found a great Bible believing church. I joined it. I started ministry right away. Told the pastor after the first Sunday I was there, I said, listen, I said, I, I want to help out. So it was a small church, 65 members. I said, so I, I want to help um, whatever you want me to do. And he said, come on Saturday. And I came on Saturday and he had a, he had a, a broom and a mop waiting for me. And so I used to clean the church <laughs> on Saturdays to get it ready for Sunday. But it was a great time. It was a great time. And eventually I did more. I became a Sunday school teacher. I did actually did other things too. Right. But it was really um, a great time of personal revival in my life and God taking that time to really get me to start studying up on these things. And that's when I got familiar with the Nephilim. And oh, yeah. once I did that and I, you know, watched a DVD, it was a, it was a DVD I'd ordered from a ministry called cutting edge. I actually didn't order the DVD. They gave it to me as part of a bundle package. And it was a DVD called the Nephilim among us. When I watched that, that it was almost the same effect as seeing the politics because once I realized what happened in Genesis six, what I call the supernatural interpretation, it just changed my whole view of the Bible. You know, it was like, I always call it, it was like going from like a black and white TV to 4k HD. You know, it's like now you're seeing the full picture of that. This is Genesis six. Isn't just about Genesis. It's the old Testament. It's the birth of Christ, right? The, the whole thing it runs all the way through the Bible and how, it really helps you understand God better. God makes more sense, right? The flood makes sense. The book of Joshua and the wars in Canaan makes sense. Yes. And that set me. So all those things really um, set me on this path where I said, I, I want to learn everything about these mysteries in Revelation, everything about these mysteries with involved in Nephilim and Genesis 6. And, um, and, you know, the way God works things is, you know, my background, again, because of my educational background, my career background, 
I'm fairly good at research, you know, so I, I had a <laughs> lot of experience researching how to formulate an argument, how to use evidence, all the things that I had learned, right, for my own personal benefit, right, for the world, for career, for money, essentially, God put you, put me in a position to now use that for him. And, you know, and, and so, you know, it's no surprise, like, you you know, if you read the book, I, I don't really like to make any claim without having evidence to back it up. Right. And so, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, the lawyers who read my book know it's, it's written by a lawyer. It's obvious. Right. Because <laughs> I don't I don't I got to have evidence. And so. And so that's really kind of what God did to not, you know, it, to bring me to really serving him and fulfilling a much greater purpose for him and for his glory. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, and I agree with you. You know, when, when you get a hold of Genesis six, when you get a hold of what the Nephilim are, it unlocks doors, you know, to know that, that, the Old Testament, it's man, you know, it, it's it's usually one man at a time, you know, rebuilding, getting things back on track. And the enemy is always these ites, you know, all all these giant clans, these offspring, exactly. you know, these Nephilim clans. And when people talk about God being so hateful, that he's, he's so vengeful and he's so mean he wipes out women and children and they're not understanding these aren't his creation you know uh, these nephilim clans they're they're the enemy all through the old testament and their disembodied spirits are the enemy all through the new testament you know it's just it's the same bad guys with the same mission the whole time and this yeah, book, it, it is, yeah. It helps so much to open that up. Yeah, thank you. And and you know, and you make a good point, right? That that people you you look at, you know, the way this is commonly taught, it doesn't make sense, right? Why would God flood the world and just kill 99% of the population because the earth was because people were violent, because people were sinning? Well, that should be happening now, right? right. We're violent now, we're sinning now. So what's the difference right and so it's really um sad honestly that the churches don't teach and go back to and that was another thing i wanted to show too was that not only is it the accurate interpretation of genesis 6 that the sons of god were angels this would be clear yes. for the audience who yes. married human women had intimate relations with them and they had babies hybrid babies the nephilim the, the nephilim giants and so not only um is it the accurate interpretation it's also the actual belief in the church going back to the first century. And so I also wanted to bring that out too and go back to the, right. the church fathers, Justin Martyr, Tertullian, Clement of Rome, all the, the famous theologians of the first three centuries of the church. This was their understanding. And it wasn't even just the giants. It, they even, you know, it also even helps explain mythology. You know, we talk about bump and monsters and the paranormal, right? When we think about Absolutely. Greek mythology, the Minotaur, the Centaur, right? I believe that the angels were even, uh, you know, uh, genetically manipulating the animals as well. And Absolutely. this is where all those creatures of mythology come from, that they were real. And that's right. why God had to say, bring on animals after their kind. Yes. Because it, God only wanted the animals he originally created. He didn't want the hybrids getting on the ark and coming through the flood. It was just the original 
his original creation, not the hybrid beings that were created by the fallen angels. Absolutely. That is a great point. And I had a question for you. I've actually, I don't know how long it's been in this book, but I had a, a post-it note that was, in, that was in here. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> I got the book off the shelf and I was like, Oh yeah, perfect. There's a question. Yeah. Uh, right. Have you ever heard of the Eliud? Are you familiar with that term? The Eliud. It sounds somewhat familiar. It's like E-L-I-U-D. It's, yeah, E-L-I-O-U-D. Yeah, what is that? Okay. I feel like I've I've come across it. The, this this is what's weird. Okay. I, I had a, uh, a lady on my show. She's been on the show three times. She has been in contact. And she's going to listen to this show and she's going to, she's going to email me. So I, I don't want to say she knows I'm very blunt about her experience. Sure. Sure. Um, her name's Denise. She has had a, an ongoing relationship, I guess you'd say like a friendship mm -hmm. with this, what she identifies as a Sasquatch creature. Okay. But a lot of it has been telepathic. Wow. Okay. So she even moved to a different location and she stays in contact with this creature. It identified itself as an Eliud. Okay. Now, Denise will tell you when he told her that, now say he, because that's, he, it's a guy. Yeah, okay. When, when he told her that she had no experience with Old Testament or the Apocrypha or, or any of the, you know, non-canonical text sure 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 um none but he told her that he is an Eliud, and he said that he was the offspring of a nephilim so he's wow. next generation down yeah sure sure wow and that he was contacting her in hopes to redeem himself to god Sounds very far out there. I know. Yeah, sure. But the things that he was telling her or the information she was relaying to me, um, the first time she told me Eliud, she wasn't even sure how to pronounce it. Like he had, she had it spelled out. She had it written down. Yeah. Like she was receiving this information and was getting these messages. And I tried to warn her, <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, it sounds like you're in contact with some kind of demonic <laughs> yeah. spirit, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, uh, sure. Something unclean for sure. But she is, uh, she's, she's all about it. You know, that this is, this is something that she's comfortable with, that he's not doing anything to hurt her. But, mm -hmm, sure. Uh, I couldn't hardly find any information on this, on this word, you know? So I asked, I had Gary Wayne on about a year ago and he let me know um i think he might let me know on the show but he told me that he found it in like one text <laughs> like one text ever and th that indeed it is this offspring of the nephilim wow supposedly wow. yeah yeah um, sure sure yeah yeah i don't know if it was in like jasher or jubilees or something you know mm -hmm. some some book had a yeah. reference so yeah. where she would find that i don't know um, it, it had to have been delivered to her. So I wanted to know, you know, had you ever heard of the Eliud? 
have you heard of the Nephilim themselves having offspring? Um, does that sure. get into yeah, the yeah. the secret society bloodlines? Is that does that all connect? You think, or yeah? Well, I think a, 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 a few things here. So first off, I mean, yeah, I think your instincts here, your I shouldn't say instincts, your discernment about this being, I think, was correct, right? I mean, that this is this sounds like a demonic manifestation, right? And that's and if you think about it, right, like you said already, right, the deceased spirits, the, the Nephilim spirits that were when they're dead are the demons, right? Right. And the Apostle Paul said that the gods of the Gentiles are demons. So they're, they are deceptive beings, right? The demons are trying to trick people. They're trying to lure people into spiritual deception. And so it, there's, to, to me, the Bible makes that absolutely clear. So could a demon manifest and present itself as an Eliud or an angel or some type of God? I think definitely, because that's what that's the testimony of scripture and nothing's changed, right? These beings we're told Ephesians 6 is clear that these beings are still around us. Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of darkness. They are around us. And, and you know, we say this verse over and over again. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. You know, but the, the wrestle, the yeah. wrestle, you yes. know, wrestling is close contact. <laughs> that is a close contact sport. You are, that means someone is up in your grill, right? So right. That, the Bible is telling you this is how close they are to you. Right. You can't wrestle someone from three feet away. Right. You got to be right there. Close quarters. So so that so. So we have to be very careful because the, the Bible says these beings, they're coming for us. They are yeah. coming for us and they can use all manner of deception. And certainly you get to Revelation, you know, that is the primary weapon of the Antichrist is deception. Right. And right. the false prop, it's all about deception, um, even more than intimidation. It's deception. It's not, oh, there's a gun to your head. You're going to, you know, or someone's going to has fangs and is trying to scare you. It's deceiving you. And so we have to be very careful about that. As for a, a, a Nephilim having offspring, we see that in scripture, right? You get this description of David's mighty men when they fight the last giants that are left yes. in uh, the promised land, right? You know, Ishbi Manab uh, and the Egyptian. And it says these were all born of the giant at Gath, right? So there was a giant who fathered them. You look at the sons of Anak in Numbers 13. Anak was a, was a Nephilim. So his sons, Ahimon, Seshai, Tal Talmai, you know, Numbers 13, those were his sons. And we're all, then we're told in Joshua that, that Anak was the son of Arba. So we see giants can have offspring. So that's also, these are all biblical concepts. So... It's um it, it it's pretty scary and startling and um uh, I have to say I'm not surprised that Gary Wayne would be the one to find <laughs> the one use of that text. <laughs> right. That, that, that brother gets deep. He gets deep into his research, um for sure. So yeah, yeah. shout out to Gary Wayne. So yeah. So I mean, and 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 that's the and and that's really how the enemy operates, right? It's always some truth wrapped yes. in a lie, right? Yes. So can Nephilim have offspring? Absolutely. It's in the Bible, right? Does and but does that mean this being is not your friend because they've given you an actual biblical fact? No. So, um, so yeah, so uh, that's a pretty, pretty crazy encounter. But, you know, these things happen and certainly are going to happen even more. I talk about this a lot more in the final Nephilim, right? The mm -hmm. veil, as I call it, the veil that separates the spirit realm from the human realm 
is going to be removed. It's already, I think, receding, but it's going to be fully removed in the Great Tribulation, right? It's going to be as it was in the days of Noah. You're going to have angels openly manifesting in front of our eyes, right in front in front of humanity for everyone to see. You're going to have the you know the Antichrist, the false prophet, calling down fire from heaven. It's going to be the total mix of the spiritual realm and the human realm. So we're on yeah. our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to get deep. Yeah. yeah. And and you, you brought up a good point in Numbers 13 that they do talk about that. Um, it, it makes me wonder, you know, how far does, does their, I guess, lack of a better word, their, their gift go? Um, because, you know, angels are a little higher than human. Exactly. You know, exactly. How watered down are they? About, yeah, about this I think that's, a, that's a great point. So I, I think the original Nephilim giants of Genesis 6 of that time, the days of Noah, who I, who I believe were actually called the Rephaim. I believe the Rephaim, that was the original ethnic name, so to speak, for those giants. Um, I think they were bigger, way bigger than, say, Goliath. I think that right. as in succeeding generations, they got smaller because they no longer, they were farther removed from that fallen angelic seed. Right. It was only the it was only the giants before the flood who were the direct offspring of fallen angels. So I, I don't believe in a second incursion. And right. so um, so the, all the giants after the flood were were weaker, genetically more diluted from that original um, fallen fallen angelic DNA. And so I think that when you get to Goliath, who, you know, was probably eight to nine feet tall, still very superhuman in size. Yeah, big guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was even smaller than, say, like King Og, right? We see the description of his bed being 13 feet. Right. You know, and God talks about Og and Sihon in Amos chapter 2 and says their height was as the height of the cedars. It compares them to a Lebanese cedar, which is anywhere from 90 to 110 feet. Yeah. You know, so... So uh, they got weaker. They got they they got weaker. So um, they still had that supernatural aspect to them. They were still superior to humans physically, but they were weaker than their original ancestors. And you mentioned something earlier too. I wanted to, I wanted to touch on with the bloodlines. Talk about the Illuminati and oh, you know yeah. the kind of the efforts in the occult and secret societies. Right. So much of what you see in occult imagery goes back to Genesis six. Right. Just even. I was talking about the, the, you know, the Da Vinci Code, right? Fifth most best-selling book of all time, right? And totally blasphemous book, right? That Jesus has got married, Mary Magdalene had a child, you know, right? Just, right? But the, you know, the the esoteric concepts in that book, you know, as above, so below. This idea of this merger of the divine feminine, this this divine union. It's sons of God, daughters of men. Right. The, the, the even, you know, the compass and the square, you know, it's, in, you know, with the G in the middle, all these symbols of Freemasonry, all these things are going back to this idea of the gods coming down from heaven and having relations with humanity and forming, right, the Superman, the Ubermensch, whatever you want to call it, the Nephilim. And and so um, there's an interesting thing in Freemasonry, which, again, you know, you look in Freemasonry, you have, um, you know, they exalt, you know. Kubal Kane, Nimrod, you know, all these infamous characters are very revered 
in Freemasonry. And, I, and, and you know, my, my take, you know, when it comes to Tubal Cain, I believe that his family was where this whole transaction of a woman's hand in marriage to a fallen angel started, right? I call it that, that generation, the first family of the Nephilim, that that was, that was the family that gave the, he gave his sister, Nama, her hand in marriage to the fallen angels in exchange for what? Exchange for forbidden knowledge, technology, right? And so the wisdom of the angels. And so, you know, um, and just, just to, for anyone who's, who may not be familiar with what I'm talking about, is when you look in Genesis chapter 4, and you see the, the the genealogy there of one one patriarch having a son, the next one begetting a son, that, you know, I talk about this concept of special references that sometimes you get in those early genealogies in Genesis. You'll get to a certain figure who, rather than just having one verse, there's four, five verses, six verses devoted to describing one generation. Yeah. And I believe that's God's way of telling us, you need to slow down right here. Something historically significant happened in this generation and i want you to pay attention to it and when you look at lamech who was the seventh generation from adam through cain not lamech the father of noah there were two lamechs in genesis in the early parts of genesis this is lamech through cain um of course you see that he uh was a complete rebel against god right he, he right, had totally. two wives ada and zilla he was the first polygamist he broke the marital covenant of one man one woman he had two wives he he goes into this whole really Hebrew poetic announcement. He's speaking Hebrew poetry, but he says, you know, announces that he's killed the man, right? He's a murderer. He got yep. sort of and then and then mocks God and says, you know, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, Lamech will be avenged seventy and sevenfold. Right. And so this this guy was he's a bad dude. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um and he names, you know, and then, but then when you look at his sons, you know, the scriptures describe all three of his sons, which you don't see in that, in that whole chapter until his generation. It's just the firstborn son who's mentioned until you get to his family. And then you see what do they receive? The technology. Yeah. Jabal, this is the father of animal husbandry, tent making. Jubal, the father of instruments. You know, and this is a small detail. It's a very quick verse, but he invented music. It's like, oh, the Bible's just telling you. And by the way, this is the guy who invented music. And it was Jubal, uh, also a son of Lamech. And then it gets to Tubal Cain, says he was the father of blacksmithing, right? Forging weapons, tools, all this advanced technology in the ancient world in one generation, one among three brothers. And then you get this interesting detail where it says, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. <laughs> and so, and that's where um, really, I really slowed down because I believe that Nama, whose name means beauty, mm -hmm. the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, that she was the prize for the fallen angels. They gave this knowledge to Lamech's sons in exchange for Nama's hand in marriage, and that she was the first bride of a fallen angel and the first mother of a Nephilim giant. If you're like me and you like to go camping, hiking, hunting, um, just be prepared in general, then uh, I recommend you check out Squatch Survival Gear. Their packs are 100% made in America. Each component on the packs are American made. It's a veteran owned company out of Texas. Um, it's my buddy Chris. He started this out of personal experience. Um, 
in his military service, he, he fashioned these packs, you know, off of packs that he used that he had to modify to make them something that uh, is more, more convenient, easier to carry, less of a load on your body, and the, let the pack do the work. They're amazing. I own two. I have the uh, the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. I love them. They're the best bags I've ever had in my life. These bags are bomb-proof. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Plus, they're comfortable. When I have them on, I can carry around. I can hike with 25, 30 pounds, and it, it doesn't strain my body. The pack does the work. Um, you have to see them for yourself. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com to check them out. If you decide to, to purchase one of these bags, use my promo code. It's 23BUMP this year. Okay? It's 23BUMP. Use that promo code and it'll save you 15% site-wide. These, these are packs of all sizes. You know, if you want something you know small, everyday carry, or if you want some kind of a uh, go bag, like a, I'm not coming home bag, he's got them. Check him out, SquatchSurvivalGear.com, promo code 23BUMP. Yeah, looking at it from, from Lamech's point of view, too, and the brothers, back then, from their perspective, who wouldn't want to give their sister to a god? Exactly. Right? They, they see it as, like, status. They see it like, this is my come up. You know what I mean? Exactly. For and sure. They're pretty immoral people anyway. <laughs> so I mean, it's like a win-win for them. Uh, so, so, and, and look what they're getting in return. Yeah. I mean, you have animal husbandry, tent making, and, and metallurgy. You can dominate the world. Yeah. Right? You can make weapons, tools, raise livestock. Your, your, your family has become super powerful, if not the most powerful family on earth. Yeah, at that it time. probably was. It probably was. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was definitely their come up, right? And and they're yeah. and they're and they're building a relationship with a god, right? The, like you said. Like, so so yeah. So they had all from the from the from the ungodly perspective, they had everything to gain from it. Yeah. So so yeah. So I want to touch on that, but I also want to mention. So Tubalcan is revered in Freemasonry. You also have this 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 uh you know this whole connection between the number thirty three right this this sacred number that you reach the thirty third degree is this high level ranking elite Freemasonry level, and I, I relate that that, that concept of thirty three or one third back to the fallen angelic rebellion the one third of the angels who yeah. rebelled with Satan you see this in Revelation twelve how it plays out and this idea of a third all throughout the Bible representing a, a rebellion right even even you look at jesus on the cross right there were three men being crucified that day right two went to paradise right, right. the thief went to paradise one went to torments right one is in hell right you see this this idea this concept of one third falling away um frequently in scripture and i believe the number 33 also represents that even when you look at the nephilim giants the wars against the nephilim giants in the book of Joshua, of course, Joshua conquers all the Nephilim-infested nations in the land of Canaan, and they list all the kings. And it's 31 kings. Then you go back, Moses conquered the first two, Ad and Sihon, 33 kings wow. got conquered. It was 33 Nephilim kings had to be conquered to reclaim the promised land. 
And so is it any coincidence that the enemy, the Freemasonry, the occult reveres this number 33? And another thing, you know, um, I mentioned before we came, before we started the recording that, uh, you know, I used to, to blog and I started blogging some articles on the Nephilim. And one article I did one time was I referenced, I said, there's a secret in Freemasonry that even, you know, Wikipedia doesn't even know the explanation of it. You go on Wikipedia and you look it up, it says, we don't know what this means. Hmm. And it's a book called the Ahiman Raison. And if you look in Freemasonry, they say they named it. They said they said the name means, you know, kind of like a friend of the brothers or something like that. Right. Which, of course, that's not the translation of those words. I'm sure not. Any ancient Semitic language. <laughs> and so you look on Wikipedia and they say they, it actually says you they didn't want that. The entry says they're not sure exactly how they arrived at this name of this book. And it was written, I want to say, I think in the in the 1700s or the 1800s. Hmm. Um but when you look to scripture, you see the, again this connection to the Nephilim. Ahiman was one of the sons of Anak. And Razon in the reign of King Solomon was this, and this enemy who was constantly trying to destroy Israel when Solomon got into power. So they just put those two names together, Ahiman Razon. And so, so there's no coincidence. You talk about like the Illuminati, the elites in the occult world, they are aware of these things. They understand Genesis 6. Helena Blavatsky, you know wrote about the Nephilim. She wrote about Nephilim in her writing. So they're very aware of these things. And sadly, they're more aware than most churches are yes. about what's really going on in Genesis chapter six. And so, yeah, so it's no surprise that they understand, right? It's almost like the Tower of Babel, right? Well, when you see Nimrod, who has this mysterious description, it says that he became a, a, a giant, you know, he became right. well, what happened to him, right? So what was going on there to the scripture, especially the Septuagint says he just straight up says he, he became a giant, right. you know? And so, but he, we do know that he was the leader of the tower of Babel rebellion. Right. And, and what was that about? The tower to, was trying to go back to unlock the spiritual realm. It was a, trying to figure out a way to get back to the days of Noah, to bring back the fallen angels and bring back all the occult supernatural wisdom and powers into the earth. And we know this is the case that it wasn't a normal building because to me, one of the, the most shocking verses in the Bible is when it says the Lord looked down at the, the tower that the men were building and said, this thing they do. And if they complete this, there is nothing that they imagine to, that they imagine that can be withheld from them. Right. So that whatever, whatever they were working on, it was going to unlock a power. So that was so intense and so strong that God said, there's nothing they couldn't do. They finished this tower. And of course, obviously he had to destroy it and scatter them. But so, yeah, so I think a lot of what the occult is about is trying to do what Nimrod does, trying to figure out a way to open the veil and bring all that back. Fallen angels dominating the world again, the, the hybrids, everything, right? So back to the days of Noah, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. It, it's all so real, you know? And yes, <laughs> I, 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 I look forward to the day that people start to wrap their heads around this. But what's it going to take? You know, um, we'll, we'll probably be in tribulation before they like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The tickets will have been punched. Yeah. And speaking of 
you know, having to experience it themselves. Uh, let me ask you, have you had any kind of unexplained or monstrous or paranormal type activity in your lifetime? Have you, have, has there been anything that's made you kind of nervous or scratch your head or think, Oh, that's definitely a demon or, you know, anything in between. Um, well, definitely. Uh, I mean, in my family more so we've definitely had some, some, when I was young, we had some, some very strange encounters where we kind of thought there were spirits in the house. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, like I said, my family's from the Caribbean. There's a, you know, this practice that they call obia, right, in in the Caribbean or witchcraft. And interesting enough, right, obia, even that term, if you're from the Caribbean, you know that term because everyone knows that means witchcraft. But I also find it interesting from our perspective that you think about the term ob in Hebrew means demon. Oh, wow. So I don't think, I don't think that's not a coincidence to me, right? <laughs> it's about summoning demons, right? They just say obia in in Jamaica or in Haiti, wherever you may be in the islands. Yeah. And so, um, so we went through a time where, um, they, we were, uh, odds with some family members. My, my parents got divorced at a young age and, um, my mom was very convinced that people were actually trying to do obia in our house. And so we had a lot of kind of strange things happening where things moving, we come home and it's like, did someone come in the house? Did someone break? using a key or breaking in and things and things like that. And, um, and so that, that's, that was, uh, at a young age, that was my kind of my earliest encounter with the spirit realm. Right. And, um, and then I think as an adult, I would say it was more in, I always say that a, a demon can't possess a born again, believer in Jesus Christ. Right. But they can oppress Absolutely. A born again believer in Christ. And I, 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 and I can tell you, um, certainly in the last year I was writing judgment of the Nephilim. It was easily the worst year of my life, just in every aspect in my job, in my marriage, my family, every, I mean, it was miserable. I was under, and, and it was my wife telling me in no uncertainty, my wife, who was the one who encouraged me to write a book in the first place and really said, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. She said, you know, this is a spiritual attack. This is demonic yes. attack that you're going through. And um, just to kind of shake me up and wake me up that, you know, cause you get caught up in your emotions, your anger. I was, I was going through so many hard situations and was so frustrated. And um, it was truly the, it was definitely, you know, the work of the enemy yeah. uh, obviously trying to discourage me. You know, my wife said, she said, listen, she goes, you're uncovering all these things about this, you know, the, the, the spirit realm. You're, you're writing all this stuff and giving the proof that this stuff is real. And this is what the church really believes. Right. The enemy doesn't want this to get out. And so, um, so it was, it, it was tough. It was, it was a really, really, really tough time. And, and there were times I was like, I don't know if I want to finish this book. Right. And, uh, but again, it's. both sides because there were so many nights and that was the other thing too is that i was writing this book most of the book was written in the middle of the night and so i was going i'm working a full-time job my kids were really young they were toddlers at that time and so and i need real silence to work i cannot work with noise and i'm writing and researching and so I, yeah. most of that book was written probably between 11 p.m and 5 a.m so i was getting minimal minimal sleep 
you know, um, but it was all good. I was all in. And, but there were so many times I, I can't tell you, but in the middle of the night, 1am where I just find something in scripture, or I find a quote from some old book that I'm like, it's God. God just led this to me Amen. and gave me and showed me this amazing revelation. And I, I'd just be on my knees alone. Just in my little, you know, my little, my little desk, my little office I used to have in New York and just, and just be on my knees, looking out the window and just thanking God. So uh, it was, you know, it was a real horrible time spiritually, but it was one of the most joyous times because God, I felt like God kept encouraging me saying, see, I'm with you. It's terrible right now, but I'm still with you. Amen. And those revelations are what really kept me going in terms of just having the desire to keep working on it and get it done. So, um, you know, again, glory to God for that. Glory to God. Absolutely. Uh, like we said off air, I said 2022 is probably the worst year of my life. One of the worst yeah. years of my life. Same, very similar. Very similar. Um, yeah. I was, I'm 42. In, my, in the last 20 years, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've even had a head cold, like the sniffles. You know what I mean? Yep. But last year, I was sick perpetually, like almost the entire year. I couldn't wow. get over anything, like chronic sinus infection, COVID, pneumonia, you know, flu. I had it all. And it got to where it was really obvious this was spiritual attacks. You know, it was everything yeah. in my life, everything that was dear was just getting pinged man and it's like it lasted for like one full year the new year That's came crazy. and it, it lifted off like oh whatever <laughs> it was about it didn't work praise <laughs> you know what I mean? praise Jesus. yeah 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 you know and and, and you know and those things ha we have to go through it right you know and, and this is why you know jesus said in the world you shall have tribulation and it's just it's just remembering you, and it's not easy Trust me, I was very frustrated, yelling, screaming, cursing. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was not a happy camper. So it's not, right. you know, I I don't want to paint any picture. But I was just confident through the whole experience, <laughs> the whole, whole ordeal that final year writing the book. But um, but when you do remember and you do cry out to God, even just to say, God, I don't know what is going on. It's like that brings us that closeness. You know, that's what God wants from us. That's you know, true. and that's when that's when God can really work. Yeah. And, you know, here you are now in year three, right? You know, you are, you're doing the same yeah. thing. You're taking the lid off of what the enemy's plans are, yeah. right? You, you are showing that, Hey, all these things you heard about out in the world, Hey, maybe there is some reality to them, right? Maybe there is some reality to Bigfoot. Maybe there is some reality. People were saying they're encountering UFOs and aliens, but there might be another explanation for it that we've had all along with us, right? In the Bible. And so that's a powerful message that's a powerful, powerful message. The enemy doesn't want that. Out there. The enemy doesn't want that out there. You know, you look at uh the Job, right? What the first thing saying, do make get him sick. That's it. Right? Yeah. Illness. Cover him with sores, right? So it's all right. It's all part of God's yeah. plan. Uh, Amen. Amen. You know, I, I've asked God to use this, you know, this platform. You know, I dedicate it as an altar to God, you know. Yes. You let me steward it. Just send me whatever you want me to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll let it fire. Amen. Hallelujah. It, it has been eye-opening doing this show. Because when I started this, man, I had my theory about what Bigfoot was. I had a theory about what aliens were and all this. And I am i don't want to be the person that's like, everything's demons. Or the person that's like, everything's from another dimension. You know, but when people are calling me 
and talking to me about an alien abduction that in the middle of this abduction experience, they cried out to Jesus and they wake up in their bed, you know, or they're on the side of the road and there's this big hairy creature, you know, scared them to death and they cry out to Jesus and it disappears. Amen. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. Some people are just catching an episode of the show, but I'm here collecting all of this for, you know, for two or three years. I'm like, wait a minute, man. Everything is connected. Everything is real and everything responds to the word of God. You know, demons know that demons know his name and they tremble. Right. That's right. That's Uh, right. So everything is. And it it ties into what you're talking about, that veil. It's lifting. People are experiencing these things. Um, it's very real. And to go back to what you were saying about your family, um, you know, the, the tradition of, of witchcraft being there, that is very similar, very similar to how it is here in Appalachia. Like I live in Southern West Virginia and around here we have, uh, they're, they're not as common as it used to be, but we have granny witches. And most of the time, they believe in they believe in God, the Holy Trinity. You know, they pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll even go to church, but they know how to put a hex on somebody. They know how to lift it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know how to lift yeah. the yeah. off of you. Uh, they know how to heal whatever's going on with you. And a lot of times they'll they call it a. There was a book I had. A guy wrote a book. He he considered himself a witch, and they called it backwoods witchcraft. And they would take Bible verses you know, and incorporate it into what they were doing to, oh, wow. to, to heal wow. burns or to stop bleeding and stuff like that. It's a, it's a real weird culture here, man. If you get like yeah deeper into, you know, the old ways, but yeah, I, I can definitely relate, you know, the, the family yeah, yeah. Having, having some of that witchcraft in there. That's, that's pretty cool, man. So, when you realized that you were going through a spiritual battle, are there any particular, and I ask this of a lot of people, are there any particular scriptures that you like to, to fall back on? Um, or is there any practice that you have? Um, like for me, I've, I've had to deal with some things. I've had those, the spirits in the home before. Um, Full disclosure, I'll just go ahead and tell you. I've, I've hinted at it on the show a couple of times. Um, last year, I found out some things that were going on in my home. Um, my daughter was actually trying to practice some things that she should not have been trying to practice. Right. Um, well, it, it actually, um, you know, the, the devil gets who he can. You know what I mean? Course, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll get all the chinks in your armor. And yep. she was definitely my weakness. Um, she's 18 and she decided to to move out. But she was, there was things going on. The closer that we would get to God, you know, uh, we dedicated our life to the ministry and to, to church. And she was the vessel that was used, you know. Um, sure. To the point where she was talking to me about wanting to become a satanist like she's full full into wow wow yeah things got bad um i'm sorry if i'm dumping too much 
No, it's okay. No, it's all good. It's all good. It, it just led me to say, I had to rebuke things in the name of Christ, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, catch everybody gone in the house, crack open the Bible, go to Psalm 91, open the other one to, you know, Ephesians yeah. 6, 10, and, you know, <laughs> sit there and just go to war, you know? Yeah. Um. When you do that, when it, when it's real, I actually felt things pass my body, not not through me, but like brush up against me while I'm sitting there praying. Like it, it got pretty intense. It got pretty ugly. Um, sometimes people can, you know, you feel like something's in the room. You feel like something's around you. You feel uneasy. There was a whole lot of that. Um, but I had to use those scriptures, I felt like at the time, in that spiritual battle. So that's Absolutely. what I'm, you know, taking a long time to ask you. <laughs> uh, do you have any particular scripture or prayers that you resort to when you're feeling that oppression? Yeah, yeah, def def definitely, definitely. Um, certainly, uh, you know, Ephesians 6, definitely, right? So, you know, putting on the armor of God, the full armor of God, reminding yourself what, of what you need, right, to to have yourself right you know the shield of faith you know okay. all, all those things and so breastplate of righteousness and but i but for me what really sustained me as a one chapter not really a verse that chapter is uh psalm 34 i mean i i have if that that page is worn <laughs> worn Worn, worn, colored up, marked, you know, uh, highlighted. I want to say highlighter. Yep. Just, you know, it's just such a beautiful psalm. What I love about it is that it's all, it's David just writing out of fear. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of his fears. And so it's just when you, for me, it's like when you feel like life is over, like it just got, I, I, everything is falling apart. That psalm really sustained me. And it says that the Lord encampeth around those who fear him. And that was really my prayer. Like just, it was almost like when you see Elisha and it's Gehazi, when he, Gehazi is worried about the army, the Syrian army, right. and Elisha right. says, open his eyes so he can see. Right. And they're surrounded by God's angels, right? I'm like, that was my prayer. Like, God, surround me. You have to protect me. I fear you. I just, no matter what I do in life, Good day, bad day, sin, righteousness. I, my fear of God doesn't change. I'm scared of God. <laughs> so that's, that, that. I'm confident. I'm fully confident. Like right. I can check that box. God yeah. is superior. God is the creator. God is all powerful. And I'm a speck in the universe. Like that, there's, there's no delusion in my mind about the relationship. So I'm like, God, I fear you. <laughs> I'm standing on your word. You have to encamp, circle me, surround me, protect me, deliver me. Right. And so that for me, and it still is, it still is, but certainly um, going back to 2016, 2017, um, when I was really going through, you know, that a really brutal time, that was the chapter. And I, I've recommended just so many people yeah. or just sent it to them. Sometimes people call me and I'll talk to some of my friends and they'll tell me something horrible is going on. And I just text them a link to Psalm yep. 34. And just um, because it, it really sustained my soul and my sanity um during the toughest of times. Amen. 
Amen. That, that's how I am with Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read it so many times. I have it memorized. It's like 16 verses, I think. And I, I know, I, I know what, like my name at this point, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. It just becomes ingrained because I yeah. lean so hard on that, you know? Uh, so, and yeah, that's Psalm the beauty. And that's what God wants, you know? Oh yeah. God wants, he says, remember, right. You look up, you know, I, I love word studies. I do word right. studies in the Bible all the time. And so just, and obviously we have the advantage of having the internet. So you can just go on a website or use an app and see, and like, you look at the word, remember, I mean, how many often it's used in the old Testament. God's constantly saying, remember, remember, remember. And so when you go to a verse like that, it's, we're remembering God. It's all from God. Right. So we're just telling him, look, this is what you promised us. Right. Yeah. And, and God wants us to do those things. He wants us to remember, remind him of his promises. You know, you think about the times where he's ready to just wipe out Israel Telling Moses, step aside so I can consume these people in a moment. I just want to, I'm done with these cats. I'm going to wipe them all out. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. I'm just going to start over through you. And Moses says, no, remember your promises to Abraham. You're going to give him a seed through him. Right? And and then God's like, all right. All right. He likes things to be brought brought to him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God is emotion. God, you know, we're going to really find out one day. The world will find out for sure in the great tribulation, but Amen. God can get upset and angry just like we get upset and we're ready to lose it. Right. Amen. And so, you know, it's no, it's, it's, it's no different. It's no different. It's, um, yeah, it says, I, I can't remember the, the, the book or the verse, but in the old Testament, I was looking up, uh, I, I was doing a lesson on love, you know, I was yeah. teaching at church about love and, you know, Love is not jealous. And I was like, okay, that's good. That's good. So I started looking up jealous. And somewhere in the Old Testament, I found it. It says, you know, all through the New Testament, God is love. God is love. And it says in the Old Testament, God is jealous. His name is jealous. You know what I mean? I was like, man. <laughs> Righteously so, you know? Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can't be jealous, but he can. He no. Yeah. He's got the authority, you know. Absolutely, and and worship is reserved for him, right? That's it. It's it should be directed to because no one else, you know, you know, it, it was like you know, perfect example of that was uh, Daniel chapter six, right? When it's uh the Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, right? When they're taking the he's drinking out of the temple vessels wine and having a great time partying with the temple cups and goblets, you know, and the writing on the wall. And, you know, we know that story, but, you know, what the thing that always stands out to me is Daniel says how, you know, your grandfather was judged by God and repented. And he says, and you knew all these things. And he said, the very God who's, who's your breath is in his hands. Yes. It's like, so it's like, who, who else are you going to worship? There's no right. one else to worship, but there's only one being in the universe who is literally giving the breath you have in your lungs right now, you should not be saying any words to any other being, right? Because those words are coming solely by God's power and grace. So it's like, you know, so that's that's why, you know, so God, as you said, it's righteous jealousy. Just like his anger is righteous because no one is worthy of praise except for God. That's it. That's why we're here, you know, to glorify God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Ryan, is there anything that you wanted to hit on that we didn't get to talk about? Is there anything out of the book that you'd want to 
you want to pull out some, uh, so people can know uh, any favorite part that you want to say, hey, check this out or anything like that? You know, um, there's a, you know, the book, I'll, I'll say this, you know, for those of you are curious about these things, if you have some already have knowledge about it, I would say, you know, there's a lot of things in scripture that when you, that what I wanted to show is that Genesis six weaves its way through all the events of the old Testament. It's really, so I would, so the thing I want to say is not really one particular part, but that if you, if you want to really see how this war of these two bloodlines, how it's really, it is the story of the Bible. It is, you know, leading right up to the birth of the Messiah, right? In Genesis 3.15, when it was prophesied, then, you know, I would say definitely, it's definitely worth checking out. But the most important point I want to emphasize from the book is that this whole, the entire point of Judgment of the Nephilim is, mm -hmm. is to demonstrate how much God loves us. That God is not irrational. He's not acting out of anger and just destroying everything in his sight on a whim. That things we might think are God, that God is being irrational. It's God actually saving us and showing us his love. And the entire plan of salvation is just God working around human mistakes and human sin to yes. get us to a point where we can finally be redeemed and get the birth of this child he told Adam and Eve he was going to have that was going to be born one day. Who would conquer the devil. So it, that's the main thing is that, you know, we talk about this stuff and it's important. We have to be aware of our real enemies, the spiritual realm. We have to be, um, have a supernatural perspective on the Bible. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. The prize is Christ, his second coming. It's not anything in this world. We're not, it's not about money. It's not about power. It's not about political office or winning an election. It's about our King coming back and we have to prepare for him hit for his return, prepare the world for it. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so the point of the biggest point of the book is that it's about God's love. And that's all I make sure people know that, that God loves them. God wants none of us to perish, but to have eternal life. And all we have to do is trust and believe in Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the promised seed of the woman. And that's it. And God takes care of the rest. So, uh, that is the main thing I want people to understand is that we don't have to suffer the judgment of the Nephilim. We can have redemption and eternal <laughs> life from the God who protected us from them in the first place and just wants to be with him and reunite his family um, for eternity. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's perfect. Yes. He is saving us. He's sparing us. We Amen. Just gotta, time and time again. We've got to listen. <laughs> it comes down to obedience, don't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Now, where all can they find this book? I know, I know, it's on Amazon. I bought my copy there. Yeah, it is on Amazon for sure. It's also on, on my website, judgmentofthenephilim.com, One word. Uh, so you can find it there. Also, there's uh, study guides for the books. Um, I made the study guides for those who want to really get deep. I had lots of people over the years asking, will you ever make a study guide for this book? Cause there's lots of information. And I thank God for all the, the group studies, the churches that are now doing classes on it and using it. So wow. I, I made it as a response to people asking me at conferences all the time, when are you going to make a study guide for these books? So there's study guides for both books. And then there are also documentaries for both books as well. So I made documentaries and that's like, a high level overview. So I want to, no matter how you want to get into this content, if you want just like a, an intro to the big concepts in both books, you can get your popcorn and uh, get, get the book in one night and watch the documentaries. And so all that is available 
on my website, judgmentalnetwork.com. Like you said, it's also on Amazon. The audiobooks are out on on uh, Audible. All that stuff. It's all it's all out there. And then uh, my social media also is also Judgment of the My Facebook, my Instagram, uh, my YouTube channel. So lots of ways to find me. Google Judgment of the Nephilim, you'll find me. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. I didn't know you had those extra works. I'll I'll be getting those study guides too. Bro. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I have a, we go to a really little church, you know, on mm -hmm, our, sure. our midweek service, we have like 15 people show up, you know, maybe 20 Sundays, a, a packed house is about 40 people. Oh, wow. So yeah, that is, that it, is small. It'd be, a, <laughs> it'd be a good size crowd, you know, it'd be yeah, a good size yeah. crowd to, to get into a good deep dive. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much, Ron, for coming on the show. Thank you for doing this with me. Um, I would love to have you on again sometime uh, sure, after I get, definitely. after I get uh, the second book, I'll read it. Yeah. It will bring you back. <laughs> yeah, right. Just let me know, man. It's been a pleasure, Bo. I appreciate it. And uh, I would love to come back on again. Absolutely. Thank you. God bless you and your family. God bless. Uh, have a good night. All right. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story, to be on the show if you want to listen to past episodes or if you want to donate to the show you can do all of that through the bumppodcast.com so just go there uh, explore the website check it all out if you want to sign up to be a member it's super cheap it's just a dollar 75 a week you can cancel at any time get in on uh, all the the new latest and greatest stuff we have going on all right so again thanks for listening i love you god bless Who is that yonder in the distance With his garment white as snow With a voice that sounds like thunder Walking on the street of his appeared is like lightning setting high upon his throne has ten thousand times ten thousand saying we finally made it home glory glory Praise the Lamb forevermore. Praise the holy name of Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In that city there's a river flowing from God's holy throne where the tree of life is blooming where the head has not been pulled no more tears in that bright city death will have to flee away no more sin no more heartaches 
in that land a perfect day glory glory hallelujah praise the lamb forevermore praise the holy name of jesus bless the a table in that country seated with the saints of old with their troubles far behind them to never suffer anymore I'm going home in the to that land so bright and fair to walk the streets of gold with Jesus in that city built for square glory glory hallelujah praise the Bless the Lord, oh my soul. If you're personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9 says it really simply, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you. I 
as the Lord to forgive me. Now I'm living better days. I have a friend who had grew ill. Doctor said the only way he would make it would be God's will. He called me up one night just to say, Brother, if you would, I need you to pray. So I Fell down on my knees and I prayed. I asked the Lord if He would heal him, and now He's living better days. So if you're here feeling lonely and your burdens you no longer can bear, just come on up to this altar and take it to the Lord. In prayer, come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray. Ask the Lord to forgive you, and you'll be. Better days